0: This podcast is over at WildGamesTractions.com and DetroitRadio.com. You remember.
1: Roll your stealth roll.
0: Game books, pencils, pizza, cheese puffs, and a hell of a lot of dice. And the dragon woke up. Roll for initiative. This is the Roll for Initiative podcast, where 1E is the place to be.
1: The role for an initiative podcast, this is Volume 6, Issue 183. I'm Vince sitting alongside Nick.
2: Hi, everybody. And Matt. Hello, everyone.
1: All righty. We're back from a long little break. I mean, a couple of things happened here and there. We all had our issues. Matt took a last minute trip. Last time we were going to record to Gen Con out of the
2: blue. Yes, I just on happened, a whim. happened yeah. to wake up that Sunday. And as my fiance was getting ready for her bridal shower and was going to be gone all day, I'm like, eh, screw it. I'll go to Gen Con for the day because they do a family passes, too. So. It was like 45 bucks. you can get four people in. I was going by myself, so it had been just me paying $45 again, and so I'm like, whatever. So I'm in line, and then there's like two people behind me, so I'm just like uh, asking them, like, so are you guys getting the family pass here? And they're like, oh, they thought they had to pay like 40 bucks a day person to get in. And wow. like, oh, yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, that's what the day pass for like on right. a Saturday or Sunday for Gen Con is. So uh, I'm like, oh, no, you can just get the family pass for and it gets like four people. And I'll tell you what, I'll buy your guys's passes. Well, I was what pay... time did you get there? I got there at uh 11. Well, that's not bad. 1130. Dealer Hall opened at 10. Oh, yeah. Was, shoot. So yeah. wait,
1: okay. you can get the family pass for just they don't actually have to be family because you know how they're always like, oh, you have to be family nope.
2: for four or adults. Oh, that oh. I can't see Gen Con allowing that, man. Oh no, it, it was it was kind of yeah. It was just like I read it, and it was just like it was for forty five dollars for adults. That's the only badge they sell on Sundays. You cannot yeah. buy a single day pa- uh, day badge for Sunday, so that's why they allow it. Plus, it's not run by wizards anymore, so of course they're nice. <laughs> oh,
1: that's right. Wizards doesn't. Yeah, right. So I wish I, wish I had the ability, to like Matt, be like. <laughs>
2: I'm going to Gen Con. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like an hour, forty-five minute drive from my house. So, oh, that's not bad at all. No, yeah. No. So, so that's why I'm like, yeah. I, that's why being in Cincinnati, I'm like centrally located for Gen Con and Origins. Yeah. So if I just on a whim feel like running up for one day, it actually is feasible.
1: <laughs> Until 2020, <laughs> and when they change the venue, so yeah, I don't see them changing the venue. Shout out oh, for Gen Con. Open. Yeah, 2020 is when the the actual venue leases up, so... Right.
2: They'll renew it. The, yeah. Sure well, but... Same thing, with, same thing with Origins. They're not moving Origins. Oh, no. or, well, Yeah, Origins isn't moving, plus Gamma's headquartered in Columbus. Right. So... I can,
1: I can always dream that I cross my fingers and they're like, ha, hey, we'll move it to
2: Texas. <laughs> yeah. Hey, remember back in the day there was a Gen Con South for a while. Well, yeah. there's Gen Con SoCal, and that yeah. was... Ran into the problem. Anything that goes on in SoCal is everything's too cool for the people in SoCal to actually do. So <laughs> yeah,
0: a bunch of well, like they say about California, it's like a bowl of cereal for fruits, nuts, and flakes. Yep. So,
1: <clears throat> and our opinions of this podcast
0: not <laughs> reflect those of what Nick has just said. Anyway, it's there's called our... sarcasm, people. <laughs> <laughs> it's called sarcasm. It's okay. Now, Disclaimer: now more... sarcasm.
1: Now all the people will be ranting and raving at Nick now. Next show. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Screw you guys. I'm going home. That's
2: right. I'm going home. Did you pick up any gems? Did you find anything good? Uh, now? Mostly I just wandered around because the exhibit hall is like 30 aisles of like gaming. And when you're trying to get in all of that in one day, it it's a, can be a little overwhelming. Not to mention oh. the traffic flow is in spots a little congested, even on Sunday. Uh, I only ended up buying one game. And uh, it was at, oh. actually a dent and ding at uh, Cool Stuff, Inc. They marked it down for like 10 bucks. It's yeah. It was called... Now, Prom- those are the gems. Oh, yeah. This one was called Promised Land. It's uh-huh. basically Hebrews versus Hedricks in like a uh, ci- uh, city building, civilization building type game. So just... Yeah. just so it can play up to like six players and they have like three hebrew leaders and three hedrick leaders like the assyrians the babylonians and stuff oh, cool. and you're trying to build up your tribe to be the dominant tribe and cool. like the hebrew players are working together but the game only has an individual winner so it hits a point where the one tribe will have to double cross the other tribe even though you kind of have mutual uh. a goal so it looks kind of interesting, and for ten dollars, which actually I bought for eight after two dollar off coupon in the coupon book, uh, <laughs> it's it was worth it. Having so to- it's like a bronze age age version of Risk in a way, kind of yes, or actually. diplomacy. Yeah, it, it, it is that. Or I want to say the Royal Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm. Um. Then and I, I at Gen Con, I went and wore my Bullet Club shirt, so I spent probably more time talking wrestling than I did actually gaming. I'm just walking around, <laughs> and I'm like people going up, too sweet, throwing, and throwing up the hand sign. Uh, oh then God. there was a couple wrestling games there as well, so I'm walking by. They're like, oh, too sweet.
1: I got a lot of that at uh, when I went to uh, WrestleMania here in, in Dallas. Yeah. I wore my NWO shirt, so I
2: kept getting the Too Sweet for that all night. Yeah. <laughs> I was in Indianapolis at Monument Circle just sitting on the steps there. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just sitting there playing on my phone. And someone walks up to me and goes, Too Sweet, and then just walks off. <laughs> so he Too Sweet bombed you? That's... Yes, he Too and Sweet. you're
0: probably thinking, wow, that was like
2: totally random. Hey. Right. <laughs> and, and, and it's kind of <laughs> cool because, well, my uh, one of my really close friends is actually – founded the bullet club so it's like oh he's over <laughs> so i was it's it's kind of a kick like in the because the shirt was actually like a christmas gift from him one year for driving him to the tokyo dome to the airport now, for his tokyo dome show got a question for you now i'll at the
0: exhibit hall for Gen con there's generally that's where most of these game companies and some of the uh, distributors or whatever they put out everything to look nice like for as far as their uh, booth setup or is there any that were like really cool that caught your eye by chance uh,
2: there's the booth setup wise it's getting so packed and crowded that you're not getting the elaborate displays and like the mm. days of yore there's okay, just okay. it's not cost efficient because booth space at gen con costs so much yeah, oh, that's true. You're so you're long gone are the days of like Wizards of the Coast putting up a giant castle. Yeah. I mean, Wizards of CSR the Coast. used to do that back in the day. Yeah. Wizards of the Coast didn't even have a booth. What? Really? Well, yeah, they don't even go to that. They don't con go to Gen and Con. Or, uh, no. the, and their games are, uh, their Dungeons and Dragons games are run by a third party. Baldwin Wait, what do Wizards know anymore? What are they selling that would actually make them money by having a booth? Magic? uh magic all their magic stuff's run by third parties D. &D? (laughs) um third parties what would they need to sell? what do they have that they could sell direct to consumer that isn't undercutting one of the retail partners
1: Mm. i don't know that what we when we went the last time it was always never winter they were running at the time but i guess that's really all that
2: was the last one probably the last year they had a big booth
1: so they really, they had no presence there except
0: for the third party running the games. That's weird. Right, yeah. They stopped having well, a booth for the past few years. I thought I, I saw somewhere, might have been on Facebook, or uh, that rumor was going around that Wizards of the Coast
2: was going uh, like to host their own convention. I, well, did any of you they guys all,
0: maybe saw something like they that? They always or?
2: did that in January, the D&D experience in like Fort Wayne. The Watsi yeah, they yeah they yeah. always had like the D and D experience, okay. so I'd assume they're still doing that. Okay, but yeah, I they, thought they might have been
0: considering running something in the summer. I don't know, right? But maybe they, someone out there on our our listenership might know about something like that. They can let us know. Just curious.
2: Yeah, I mean, I saw I'm trying to remember on Facebook an article that was going around talking about. Uh, Pathfinder and how it's kind of in its like twilight days. Yeah, True. I saw that too. Yeah, yeah what, what, what I just found interesting was the number of staff actually working on D&D. 27. Huh. <laughs> and so oh. that gives you an idea of where they are development wise.
1: You have to think Pathfinder came out what? 2008?
2: <laughs> right around the time. Uh, yeah, I think it was 2010. Well, uh, no, the beta was out Let's see. No, 2008 was fourth edition. Uh, 2009 four was when right the beta, here. I think, happened.
1: Yeah, because I have the beta book for – no, actually, I have the alpha book. One of the two of them I have for yeah, the, Pathfinder. Yeah,
2: because they were selling one of the the uh, beta – I think the beta book at Gen 2009, Hunt. yeah. Yeah. So – Yeah, what,
1: six years or seven years are going on now? So, yeah, I, they say, according to what I remember from – White Wolf, their their Eddie Webb used to say that most
2: games lifespans are eight to ten years before they start to recycle stuff. Right. Yeah. You because you, you can only come up with so many expansions, and because <laughs> otherwise, otherwise you end up with what happened with Second Edition. Look how long Second Edition was around, and how much stuff. Thirteen years, something like that. Right. And what did they? And think of the stuff that was released towards the end.
1: Oh well, yeah. Pathfinder right now is if you picked up the core book, you would not be playing anything close to what the game is like now. Right, guarantee you. you'd be like lost if you went to like an official event.
2: Right, it, I mean it's evolved so much because there's so many uh, other core core books, and it, it the it really comes down to is what type of gaming experience do you. Are you trying to foster? Are you mm. fostering a gaming experience for organized player? Are you fostering a gaming experience for the kitchen table? Right. Uh, because the kitchen table player isn't going to buy all of the things. They're going to buy a couple books and they're probably going to be done unless they get oh. some, one person that really buys into it.
0: Well, I got another question for you about Gen Con. Now, you just did you just stay in the exhibit hall or did you check out any
2: of the actual gaming going on? I didn't check out any of the gaming. I spent the entire time in the exhibit hall.
0: Okay. I was just going to ask a question about as far as like, you know, any um, like old school D&D gaming going on or any OSR stuff
2: going on. Yeah. Yeah. I really don't know because also with that day pass, you can't get into any ticketed events. Oh, okay. So it's pretty much like the origins family day pass where you get in and get to wander the exhibit hall. So, right, I was just
0: kind of curious how, how, how if you saw anything about that, right?
2: Yeah, but I mean, and as for just old school product wise, it's just seems like the, I didn't see anything that was really like, ooh, that's newer creative. It's, I think, even with the old school games, we're still we're hitting that point of where it's becoming more new iterations as opposed to uh, giant uh, revolutions and new uh, exciting developments. We're we're mm. getting into that stage of. Okay, we're just tweaking things that are already been there as opposed to innovating right so but but again, as mm. a games around for a while, I mean it goes from innovation to iteration and then you that's when you end up usually coming out with a new edition where right like with Paizo and Pathfinder, they're going into space. With their sci-fi uh-huh. game, so, so they're
0: going like what AD and D Second Edition went to.
2: Yeah, they're they're, at, they're they have like a sci-fi game they're coming out with. Okay, so that's kind of where they're going with. Because okay, we haven't explored this space yet. Padumpa. Nah-ha. So, but yeah, it's Gen Con. It's fun, but it's too crowded. It's draining. <laughs> yes, it is. It, yeah. Even going one day, I'm like. For the reasons I would usually go, those reasons are dropping because it became a social aspect for me. Mm. I made a lot of friends going to Gen Con back when Gen Con was 10,000 people. When it first came into Indy, and there was like a core group of us, and we'd see each other every year, our Gen Con friends, and now they're all dropping off. They're just like, it's not worth the headache to go to Gen Con anymore, That fight for a hotel room, pay... Even at block price, over two hundred dollars a night for a room downtown—that you wow. probably won't even get. Mm-hmm. Not the and then yeah, you can stay on the outer loop for like a eh, hundred and fifteen. I mean, what well, I there the first few years in Indy, I could stay downtown for fifty to seventy-five dollars a night. Yeah, not anymore. Not mm-hmm. or even close to that. They jack those prices up purposely. It's just so annoying. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you have sixty some thousand people coming, it's it's increased sixfold since it first went into Indy. The attendance, it, hell, it's jumped up twice the attendance since I've been there
1: in 2011. It was what was the record this year? Sixty something. Uh,
2: it actually the uniques were about level. Oh, really? It's just that the people that are going are going for more days, so the turnstile was up. Hmm. But the growth, it, they they were adding about 6,000 people every year for a long time. But this year, it that the unique leveled off, but the turnstile went up because the people that did go were going for more days. Well, what was the unique level at? Oh, let me pull that up. It was like 60 plus. Yeah, okay. So when,
1: we, when I went the last time and saw you there, it was like 2011, 12. Yeah. And that was just just reaching about maybe mid thirties to forty.
2: Yeah, this sixties now. Yeah, this year it was two hundred and one thousand eight hundred fifty two turnstile attendees. So if you go for four days, you count four times. Yeah. The unique was a flat sixty thousand eight hundred and nineteen, nearly flat. I mean, wow. wow. Yeah, almost almost 50% up, so... But the four-day badges went up by 4%. Hmm. So you're not getting more... More people are going all four days as opposed to coming for two days or whatever.
1: So yeah, the, they're taking off going on Thursdays and... There's yeah. people
2: that get there on Tuesdays now.
0: I did. Yeah. Oh, that's it's the way to do it. You, oh, I, I did the same thing with Origins. I actually go on Wednesday now... They technically
2: start on Wednesdays, right, well, at Gen Con, the downtown, the, yeah. the downtown restaurants, like Scotty's and the Ram, they have gaming on Tuesday yeah, yeah. and Wednesday so there, there are so some people even get there Monday <laughs> some people, yeah, they just take the whole darn
0: week, I, you right. know that's their their summer vacation, right you know? I, but I, when i I can't trying to remember when it was. But when Origins like expanded it to an extra day, well, it was always Thursday through
2: Sunday. Then they added Wednesday, and you're like, "Ooh, okay." So, right. <laughs> albeit they had some kinks this year with the Wednesday, big thanks to a computer system crash. Origins yes. did. Oh God, yes. <laughs> yeah, when the line yeah. stretched all the way to Terre Haute. <laughs> yes, and then you're the ev- They had events starting at eight a.m. Uh-huh. That just seemed like a bad idea to begin with.
0: Yeah, and there was quite a few people that were late for events. I, I actually you know, heard the cursing in the line of people like that. Yeah. It was crazy.
2: Yeah. yeah, and looking at it, there was actually 16,500 different events at Gen Con. Ticketed events. Oh my god. So, it, it still has a little something for everything. The old school <laughs> presence isn't quite what it is at like an Origins. Just like Origins... Origins to me seems like it skews a little older because it also has more of that historical miniature war game. Yeah, thing. that tends to lend it. It lends to. It tends to go to that sort of crowd. Right.
1: Was there still in a Renaissance booth there at Trincon, or is that long gone? <sighs> there used to be an old school Renaissance booth there. I
2: don't remember seeing it.
1: I don't. Yeah, it's probably long gone. Yeah. Uh,
2: I know. It's just so hard if you're not one of the big giant booths to even get a booth at Gen Con, whether even if – because I remember uh, GM Dave talking about it from the
1: Order 66
2: 66 podcast how – because they had a booth a few years for uh, their company when they were making games, and – he, he explained the process of, for a company their size, just like a small little group, to try to get a booth at Gen Con, it was insane. Basically, you ha- how you do the mad rush for the events, they have to do that to get a booth, even though they've already uh-huh. been there. They can't, only the big boys get their spots every year, because uh-huh. they, they've had enough, po- they, they have some weird point system to guarantee them a spot every year. Everyone uh-huh. else, it's markup city course so and the thing is they still sell out so they can get away with it Mm -hmm. it's not like i remember origins a few years in like the late 2000s there'd be empty spaces
0: yeah you know you're right and that's and i think they still have that in origins to where that what they used to have for empty spaces now um
2: like the family area and... yeah,
0: they filled that with the they basically incorporated the exhibit hall with all the artists in right. the one hall now
2: yeah because the artists used to be across from the exhibit hall right now they're all in one hall right, I mean, and also the exhibit hall seems smaller from when I first started going to origins back in like around two thousand three mm. just it, it just feels yeah. like it's smaller, but I don't know if that's also part. Just my perception because Gen Con's grown so much.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's really gotten any... It's gotten any smaller. It's the same size, and there just might be a little less stuff here and
2: there, which I'm cool with. Right. I I actually like it more because you see the boost that you're not going to see at Gen Con at Origins now.
0: Yeah, and you don't necessarily feel all too congested at, like, a giant con like Gen Con. Right. So.
2: But... Yeah. It it's if you've never been go at least once and figure out if it's your thing, but it just mm-hmm. feels like it's the gen cons devolving into like more of the pop culture than con and I think that's part of the growth of it is yeah. the, the pop culture cons with your wizards worlds and all of that has made going to cons a thing.
1: Mhm. It has.
2: So and Gen Con's benefited from that because unlike Origins, which is heavy gaming, Gen Con had a little bit of everything else, too. And that's what I think helped it grow the most.
0: Gen Con sounds like it's almost
2: morphing into something like San Diego Comic-Con in a way.
0: Well, there's a lot of cosplayers
1: there now, so yeah.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah, because they have the big anime track and they do big cosplay uh contest and all that Uh, this year they moved all the anime and true dungeon to lucas oil stadium (laughs) so they were actually using part of the stadium now wow and because they were just running out of space for all the events and everything else so they're like let's start using the stadium because there actually is an underground tunnel that connects the convention center to lucas oil so you could just take that underground tunnel that goes under a few streets and go there And they actually had arcade games lining that long corridor. So you could sit there and just play arcade games. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah. (laughs) And they had them set to like a quarter. Oh, okay. So you could play your quarter arcade games there too. Eight-bit fix right there. Exactly. (laughs) So... But, yeah, that was pretty much my Gen-Gon experience, just walking around getting too sweeted too much as I tried to look at games. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. righty. All right. Well, uh,
0: I guess before we move on, just want to let everybody know that uh, we have a new sponsor. Our new sponsor is called OpenGamingStore.com. So the Open Gating store is run by John Rice, and he's the same guy who created D20PFSRD.com. And sales from that store supports the Pathfinder SRD website as well as you know many other SRD websites. So, you know, for every 20 bucks in your order, you get a free PDF form from D20PFSRD.com publishing. If you're a backer to John's Patreon or at any level, you can get 10% off all your orders. So, you know, take some time, check out OpenGamingStore.com and help us support Open Gaming. So that's our new sponsor, OpenGamingStore.com.
1: Yeah, John. John's a good guy, and he's, he's got a good thing going there, and uh, he's trying to uh, help out all the gamers out there, so check out OpenStoryGaming.com before... Right, we'll pause the show right now and we'll wait. you check it out?
0: <laughs> you good, better, well, Duh. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely.
1: Well, let's head into
0: DM rules. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want, but I have a very particular set sort of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career skills that make me a nightmare for people like you
1: I will look for you I will find you and I will kill you so the DM rules this week we got our show notes this week for DM rules and creature feature from DM Lloyd in the OSR gaming forums thank you Mr. Lloyd thanks Lloyd yeah, he sent some nice emails, I shouldn't say emails, some nice uh, private messages, and he's like, hey, I have an idea for the show. What do you guys think about doing this or that? I'm like, hmm, okay, cool. So if any of you all out there want to write show notes or give us some ideas for shows, feel free to hit us up in the forums or, or if I staff at gmail.com, or you can even give us a phone call voicemail, 570-865-4210, the hotline where we will answer your questions or you give us show notes. But this week, we're going to talk about um, the uses of poison for good characters. If you grab your player's handbook and you flip open to page 107, that's the original handbook. I don't know about the updated one because I didn't take a peek to see if it was a different page. Uh, There is a paragraph on there about poisons and it says, widespread use of the poisons is highly undesirable in any event. So if you take a further look into this it says the DM will establish sanctions regarding the use of poisons and a good alignment, a good align, hmm, a good alignment character cannot use such substance as it constitutes foul and unfair practice. So <laughs> let's explore that for a few minutes in your game. Now, Nick, you have a current game going on right now, right?
0: Uh, yes, I do. The Castle Greyhawk campaign. I, that's correct.
1: So what do you think uh, about your characters using poisons? Good characters using poisons in the game.
0: Good alignment, um, Neutral, not okay. evil, but good. But good characters. Um, well, let's kind of look at this. Well, you're obviously talking about something that could be a moral conundrum for, yeah. for a character. Or, you know, there could be something uh, looking at an entire society, whatever your, your, your fantasy society has, how they, I guess, view poisons. And, and, and then their use. Um, I I guess for me it hasn't come up yet about using poisons about the like a like a thief or if even a non thief, you know, maybe a fighter just you know you know dipping his blade in some poison or you know arrows or what have you. I haven't had it happen yet, but I guess my Philosophy, my belief is in that the poison in itself is not evil it's I guess the the intended use could be um intended to be evil, so I guess i I'm looking at it as intent of use yeah, so yeah, that's what we're looking at it is for intent of use for good characters and in that case, I don't necessarily think it would be. A no-no for a bad character. And that might blow everybody's mind. But (laughs) the the only little caveat to that would be is if you know a character may be dependent on where they come from or the obvious one, a character class, i.e. paladin. Um, and I believe Cavalier falls into this category too, where they you know the use of Poisons is strictly forbidden. It's verboten,
2: right? Because they so, have like a code of honor where they it's like, have a moral code to follow. Right? They, it, I, for me, it's along the lines of the the taboo against using the poisons comes more from that moral the uh, it's dishonorable. I, I mm-hmm. besmirch the rep- reputation of my family lineage by using poison when I should be doing combat one-on-one in battle because poison is for the weak. Right.
0: Cause also, yeah, I, I look at it as intent. I mean, here's, here's all, I'm also looking at it. If, if the poisons in self were actually evil, then why are there, you know, animals that have stats in D and D that have poison as part of their characteristics, and they're not evil, they're neutral. They're just animals. So, for me, it's intent. If if a character's going to use poison, just throwing this out as an example, too, for like a self-preservation sort of thing, if they are in a situation where no there is like no other way out instead of maybe poisoning the monster that they're up against, I, I'm, a, I'm okay with that. You know, that they're up against insurmountable odds. I mean, you know, kudos to them for, you know, finding a way to get out of a situation. But if it's intent of use is like to, you know, assassinate somebody by slipping them something in their food or drink, but even then again.
1: (laughs) Is it for the good of the people or is it not?
0: Exactly. Exactly. What's is this for the greater good right. is this like you're you're going to you know dispose of this you know evil dictator king so you have so the people can be free or is it like you're just trying to kill off the bartender so you can sneak in at night and clean out his stash of gold and and what have you uh, i guess I mean, I I is... end intent for me yeah.
1: The intent there, I kind of relate it Sometimes it's maybe not so good Example, but the only example I could think of Is if you go hunting mm-hmm. for an animal And normal people go Hunting, which is not exactly fair Because people are like, oh, bolt-action Rifle is fair for hunting, but it doesn't really Fair for the animal, but I don't care You, It's like going hunting Because you know, okay You're supposed to do it this way, but instead You decide, eh, I'll bring a semi-automatic
0: Yeah, you're right Or if with dynamite. 15
1: yeah, bring my AR-15 to peg that deer down. It's just... <laughs> no! Yeah. So, it's kind of like that. Uh, that's how I equate
0: it to sometimes. I, I almost... You can almost take it to the extreme, like, about nuclear weapons.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know? The weapon in itself is not evil. It's the intent of use. Right. At least but in my view.
1: Yeah, the, the intent of use also will the benefit of this outweigh the benefit of that, too, in this situation.
2: Yeah. Right.
0: Will it cause will the use of this particular weapon either be a poison or you know, fill in, a, fill in the blank here?
1: To, am I going to drop a bomb on we're World War II? Or am I going to drop a bomb on Hitler and Germany because they're trying to exterminate the world? Is that a good use?
0: Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> I would say so yeah. too. Yeah, But it's, some people may think it's not a good use. Right. Right. I mean, there was that whole... I mean, yeah, that's a, a good real-world example like when some people have... You know, the the, the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I mean, a lot of people said that was morally and ethically wrong to do. But weighing in all the, uh, what we know of the war, even at that time, when they were going to go ahead with either that or invade the Japanese mainland, which would have caused incredibly a lot more casualties... You know, that's how you got to weigh it out. It's a, you know, which is better, which is going to bring right. the end to the war. Is this for the greater
2: good? With all sp- Also in regards to the, the bombing of Nagasaki and Hiroshima, we also told them in advance, we are going to be going doing to do it. this. We, yes, So we gave the opportunity for them to escape the, mm-hmm. the wrath of that. Uh, going back into the game terms, though, what is the difference between like, – Taking an arrow, dipping it in poison, or lighting your arrow on fire. Not really much. No, but no. one is okay. Would be okay for like your good characters, and the others not. Why? Right. Well, yeah, I, that's the
1: thing. So long as using that arrow to kill, I would say monsters, it should be fine either way. To be
2: honest, right? Right? Yeah. That that and for me, that is the main thing. It's more of is if. I tell you before I stab you with my poison blade, my blade has poison and I'm going to now engage you in combat. Is that okay then? What right. is it about the poison that makes it immoral. unusable, immoral? What is that? Is it because the person doesn't know it's poison? So if you warn them it's poison, is it then is that acceptable? Why is poison considered taboo?
1: Or like another example that Lloyd threw in here, talking about spells like cloud kill. Yeah magic user, I'll throw in the example because he didn't put in, a good aligned magic user we will say neutral, good, or chaotic it doesn't really matter, but it's just sure, good sure.
0: it's good he aligned, goes,
1: yeah and he cla- classed, he casts cloud kill on a cave of goblins for example, goblins are right. threat, goblins are evil, okay, boom, they all die does he become an evil character? no, right. No. that same mage decides, because that the same mage decides he's going to go to a tavern and just, boom, cloud kill them. The Tavern, yeah, that would probably give him a little bit of right. An evil.
0: Right. As it goes back to intent of use. Right. And some people might hate to use this example, but, you know, it goes back to use of guns as well, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's intent of use.
2: I mean, I really, I think the poison that this poison uh, rider was put in, just because if you didn't put that in, everyone would have every weapon they ever have dipped in poison.
0: Well, he it's also gives a more for yeah, balance. Great, yeah. And there's that another great example of that he got out of uh, the what was it? The DMG. Uh the one magic item, the dagger of venom. Mm-hmm. Or that No, it's in the Unearthed Arcana. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it it's a dagger of venom. <laughs> okay? <laughs> you know, um is the is the user going to turn evil? Because they're using this dagger?
1: If they're using it on people purposely to kill them,
0: yeah. Right. But here's the
2: thing. They would turn evil if they used a non-poison weapon to do the same thing.
0: Right. Exactly. Intent of use. There you go. What is is the intent of the person doing it? And, well, I guess you could also weigh an outcome, overall outcome, if it's not death. I mean, if you look at a larger level, like I was talking about the evil dictator king, you know so you know what's uh what's the uh, what's the outcome of this right. What's going to lead to down the right. road so,
1: so look and depend on if you play deities in your game, does a deity look atown, down upon this? you have to go into that whole moral yeah, right it, it really
2: comes down to it's really a moral code if you have this in your game I mean mm-hmm. I, my, my opinion is was thrown in for game balance because then you might as well add a poison rider to every weapon because you know your players will do that
0: yeah well, so I think um, yeah. where you could kind of balance this you know if you allow characters to use poison you know with the with the exceptions you know the asterisk next to paladin and cavalier and um and maybe maybe some other morally coded class like you know maybe something with clerics you know just throwing that in there as well i think a balance to that would be the Assassin's Guild, and maybe, to a lesser extent, the Thieves Guild. Yeah. Because if you're using these sorts of... If you're using poisons, and either one of those guilds, more likely the Assassin's Guild, if they get wind of it, if you're using it in their quote-unquote jurisdiction, in a city or a town or what have you, they're going to have a word with you and if not you're going to be you know found with your
2: throat slit in the middle of the night so yeah i yeah because i could see them being like the uh mafia when it comes to the the dealing of poison totally 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 like mafia yeah only approved poisons can be used in this area and you're using an unapproved poison so that means you need to make a little donation to the group that's right you've been really good to the family right you're using these poisons around here Oh, and oh, you are using our poison, but you're not part of our group. And if you kill someone with that poison, they may start blaming our group when it's not us. We that can't would be happy. very
0: bad for business. Yes.
2: Yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah, now... I I could see keeping the use of poisons in check via that way. As oh in... yeah,
0: I think that's some of a foil to that. I mean, no. when you're out in a dungeon, in my opinion. Do whatever the hell you need to do to get through the dungeon, man. Oh, yeah, of course. Right. If you're going to run a herd of goats through there on fire so you can clear it out, do it. <laughs> I think I just gave an idea to somebody out there. Yes. Uh, <laughs> saw flaming goats through the dungeon. I'm going to do it. Uh, so you take yeah. you the stiff. torches to the horns.
2: <laughs> no problem. Charge forward. There
0: he goes. Send flaming livestock what? through the dungeon. <laughs> then you get the, the Assassin's Guild. Uh, that
1: that use of fire has been restricted in the area, so.
0: <laughs> yes. Then you'd say, oh, come on, guys. Really?
2: <laughs> fire now. <laughs> and then you get into the turf war between the Thieves oh, Guild and the Assassin's Guild. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Over the use <laughs> of the poisons and. Mm-hmm. Never
1: once, Nick, every time you were in Waterdeep, did you ever come over and have coffee and cake with my family? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I am totally sorry. I beg for your con- your forgiveness. I will kiss the ring upon your finger. <laughs> I will bring a nice gift to you. I will never bring the head. I, I-, I will you- never, never once have I dishonored you. I will bring you the head of Drizzt.
1: <laughs> um, how dare you on the day of my daughter's wedding?
0: <laughs> how dare you? How dare you on the day of my daughter's wedding? Yeah. I want the head of Mordecai. oh wow that's a big uh yeah (laughs) that's that's a big uh yeah big hit there huh but yeah you know that's a real good point about you know you might inadvertently start a turf war between the thieves and assassins guild you know and (laughs) i can see when both of them find out like wait a minute it wasn't you no it wasn't us wasn't you no so oh. all
1: right, let's let's pose this thing. Okay, Nick, uh, you're in your you're playing your character, um, mm-hmm. Matt, the DM Matt, yeah. and um, you have a Matt's character is a let's say lawful good cleric. Okay. Now let's go. Good. So there's not the major moral dilemma. You're a, ma- a neutral good cleric. You're in your inn. You're sleeping at night. You happen to have a poison dagger of venor, venom, uh, dagger of venom, magic weapon, and the thief breaks into your room at night, who happens to be, we'll say it's chaotic neutral leaning towards good thief and he's just in there he's not here in there to kill you he's in there to rob you but in the middle of the night he accidentally makes too much noise because he's a klutzy thief Mm -hmm. and he wakes you up i mean your only weapon at the time of your reach is a dagger of venom do you use that weapon to kill him because you think maybe he's there to kill you and Mm -hmm. is that part of
2: the whole dilemma who says i have to kill him i can just stab him wound him have him go down from the poison Secure him, then heal him.
0: Well, the other way around, but... Right. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I least. would say, yeah, <laughs> if I kill him, I kill him. If I felt like my life was threatened in, the, in, the, in this particular place, then if I have to kill him to preserve my own life, then yes, I would. So...
1: All right, so you stab him with a dagger of venom. He gets poisoned. He's slowly dying. You turn on the, you know, you put on your torch or your lantern. You find out it's a young kid. He had no weapons on him. He was just looking for to steal from you for food. What
2: now?
0: Uh, he shouldn't now, have. Yeah, no. Matt.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, at this point, we're getting into the killing baby kobolds conundrum. Yeah. And then then you get into you're putting people in uncomfortable moral situations, but is it really making for a good game? Is it? (laughs) Some people may enjoy that. I prefer my more lighthearted fantasy tromps that don't pose deep-seating moral questions. Uh, So that's why I tend to, when it comes to the poisons, be a little more like meh.
1: Or as an evil DM that I am, I'd have at that particular moment the ruckus woke up, the constable who happened to be in the next room who busts through the door and sees the guy on the ground dying with the dagger in your hand. <laughs> yeah. And Nick goes,
0: And yeah, so. I'd chuck it out the window. Um, yeah. Oh, I did see um, <laughs> Yeah.
2: Nothing to see here. You, you um, forgot to yell, he's coming right for me. Then it would have been okay. Oh, he's yeah. He's coming right for us. <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: I don't know. Like, if it was finally revealed because it was dark and you finally get some light on the situation, and it, yeah, it was some like ten year old kid trying to, you know, steal something, you know, like you know, help feed his family, and he's slowly dying. Then I would like, yeah, I would, I would heal him because you have to take in consideration the situation at that very moment. Yeah. So a DM could really screw, right. No, it's not going to mean that that person did an evil act, because he didn't know who that person was. It was dark. I could use that in my defense, Judge. <laughs> yeah, if you want to go into the whole political end of everything and
1: moral yeah. end of everything like that deep. But yeah, I think they would handle that situation. Yeah. So I don't think there's much more we can really say about this. Anything else well, you can-
0: I can't really think of anything else. I mean... Just to reiterate, uh, at least I think all of us have come to to, to the agreement that it, it's the intent of use. What it comes down to there. I don't know if there's any other sort of any place else where uh, we haven't covered where it might be a a conundrum.
1: No, I think this rule is interpreted based on the intent of use of the poison for good characters. Mm-hmm if they 're going to run around and kill monsters with poison, I see no problem with that right. if they're going to, if they're going to grab grab that poison dagger on purpose to kill another humanoid type n p c yeah. maybe depending on the situation how it might be used might be an undesirable effect towards the end, but every character has their right to do what they want
0: right, right. that's right and and to go along with that, what we were saying before, a maybe a, a counterbalance to that so everybody won't go, you know, stabbing everybody in the back willy-nilly with poison daggers is your Assassin's Guild and or the Thieves Guild. You know, they if they get wind of sort of the situations, they might come on calling on you and, you know, make things really hard for you and your and the whole party that you're with. So.
1: All righty. Cool. Um, tell us what you think. Actually, I want to hear what people out there think. Rfcsfml 57086542 com And tell us how poison would work in your campaign with good characters. And then, uh, you know, I was just thinking, Nick, that hmm. next month is going to mark another year for this podcast being around. Yes. September two thousand nine is when. Or was it, yeah two thousand nine is when we first started our first show. Get
0: out of town. Yep. Yeah. I think I came on in December. Yeah. You came in shortly after. Yeah. Just a few months after that. Right. Yeah. Wow. So, what, seven years almost? Yeah. No kidding. The actual anniversary is next month.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess. Of our shows, and I could probably just look real quick while I'm ad libbing with you guys. But um, I think, yeah, the calendar's not here, of course, but (laughs) (laughs) we used to have one on the site. Matt, how far does the show go
2: back? September oh, 2009? Yes, yeah, September 2009. 2009. I came along in the show, it would have been the August of 2010. It was after uh, Gen Con 2010 when I actually met you and Jason at the RFI meet and greet. that happened to be in the lobby of the hotel I was staying at. Mm.
1: Yeah, because that's right, because Jason says, hey, we got Matt here. He's going to do our editing for us. We're going to rope him in and be our sucker. I was like, what? And you're like, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That's what we described. He's going to be our sucker. And Matt's like, hey, thanks.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes, the joys of audio editing. It's like, yeah, the the non-glorious end of podcasting, especially back in the day.
1: I'm actually looking at it. I see December 6, 2009 as our first show, but I – Vague. I remember us being in September though I, I think when we updated the site the, the date got became wrong
2: right, because yeah there was like hosting changes and like there was a site reboot or something and...
1: yeah because I remember we were doing it for September and October and then we kind of went on a little hiatus because Jason and I had some uh, scheduling problems and then we came back in 2010 for our 6th our show and I think Nick jumped in around then So, meh. (laughs) Meh.
0: Meh. Meh.
1: (laughs) So let's uh, head over into the uh, feature feature now for our last segment for tonight.
0: This podcast is brought to you in part by a not-very-generous grant from Lesser Gnome, publisher of quality role-playing games since last year. Gnomes value high-minded programming just like you. Learn more at their website at
2: www.lessergnome.com.
1: Are you enjoying the show you're listening to right now? Want to help support the show? Why not head over to the Patreon site, patreon.com WGP. That's patreon.com WGP. And help support the network for as little as $1.50 a month. That's right, $1.50 a month
2: goes a long way. Thank you. Are
0: you saying that I put... An abnormal brain into a a
2: seven-and-a-half-foot-long... Gorilla! Creature Feature Theater. It's alive! It's alive! And now we are in the Creature Feature, and we are going to be dusting off the wonderful Monster Manual 2 for this one. Master Manual 2, Electric Boogaloo. Yes. And we're actually going into some creatures. Well, a creature that is from one of the para-elemental planes. The para-elemental plane of air. This is the wonderful combination planes where you get like your, you take your earth and you take your air and you mix it together and you get the ele- plane of smoke and all of that kind of fun stuff. So,
0: Is this, is this creature, it says para-elemental plane of air? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. So
0: would that be would that be the para-elemental plane of steam or that this thing we're gonna talk about is
2: that It yeah, looking I mean when you talk see this, I think it'd be more of uh, because well Well let's just get into what the creature is. Yeah it yeah. is the m- Mitsu. It is the Mitsu. Yes. Uh Normally found on the peri plane of air, they're sometimes found in cool, damp places with little or no sunlight. Uh, they're basically swirling clouds of mist that can go through small cracks. They can, And since they're from the peri plane of air, they can contort their body to be pretty much whatever they want. Uh, and when it attacks you, it attacks you like uh, your stereotypical creepy anime villain with tentacles. Uh, that will come out with like sharp razor like talons. And then it also falls in the wonderful line of creatures that like to hug you to death. Because it'll try yes. to uh, envelop your body and then proceed to suck the constitution from you. Uh, yes. So and if it re- you reaches your constitution, of course you're dead. Mm-hmm. But at least this you can uh you get one point of constitution back per day of rest. So it's not like some of the more permanent life-draining constitution or uh, attribute sucking. Uh, It can only be harmed by plus two magic weapons. Not your plus one little magic sword? No. Needs plus two. We need the good stuff. Immune to electric and missile attacks, even magic missile, cold-based attacks only stun them. They're also solitary, thankfully, because I can only imagine if you came across a family of creatures that wanted to hug you to death uh, they will uh, also uh, Susuma ghostly form to scare away people so they'll be like boo leave me alone before they hug you <laughs> uh, yeah, Nice. however they may perform powerful tasks for magic users in, sub- in exchange for substantial payment of powerful magic items so apparently they like hoarding magic items as well but their air I don't understand why they would want them how hmm. do they use them do they grab them with their tentacles? I would think so. I, right. I would, too. I mean, they are rather intelligent, as in they're high intelligence, so it's... Sure. So, uh, they can, I can see them having, like, an organizational structure and a society and all that kind of fun stuff.
0: Yeah, their treasure type is I. Yeah. What? Which, I believe, in the DMG. Is that the mm-hmm. DMG? Or the back of the monster manual. Yeah. I think a- that's heavy magic, uh... That's a heavy magic uh treasure
2: type right, so with th- with this creature it's how would you want to incorporate this in a game if you didn't go along the lines of oh a mad a powerful magic user is bartering with this to get it to do something. I could see it being actually. Uh, kind of a useful assassin if you wanted to go that route you're actually sleeping. yeah you, oh, a wizard needs someone whacked so they summon one of these hey i'll give you all this magic item you go kill this person they go through like a crack in your window and just hug you while you sleep and you die
0: mm-hmm. um, wow actually that's a real good way of using this thing
2: yeah i and i've always 10 been...
0: percent magic resistance for this thing by the way
2: right and Considering you need your plus two weapons, this is going to be... And
0: it's immune to magic missile. Yes. (laughs) Let everybody... Let that sink in to everybody out there. It's immune to magic missile. Yes. It's like the... Usually every magic user out there has that memorized. (laughs) Either that once or several times... (laughs) Or you at least uh, once in a while you're gonna have a party with one of you know wanda magic missiles and you're gonna try to use that on a Mitsu, forget it. It's gonna go right through it, it's not gonna care. Right. And
2: also it is eight hit dice plus yeah. two. Mm-hmm. So, so even if you figure out, okay, magic missile doesn't work, we need the really, really good magic weapons, it's still gonna take a while to to uh, well, whittle it you down. You can
0: hope to fireball it.
2: Yeah, fireball.
0: But um, then again, you got two levels of you got magic resistance and it's saving throw. Right. So, <laughs> and oh, armor class minus two. Yeah, there you go. It's a pretty decent armor class.
2: Yeah. So it's just going to be very brutal to deal with. And then yeah, also, just... you also run into the fun thing of once it does envelop one of the party members, how do you handle that? When, you, mm-hmm. If you, you start swinging your sword at it, would it – since this is air, will it go through yeah. and possibly hurt the person it's enveloping? Oh, Could you sure. be end up hacking t- to death one of your party members while trying to free <laughs> the party member from this creature? I mean, it, it creates some interesting dilemmas for dealing with. This is where perhaps wow. your, the best approach is, hey, see all these ma- plus two magic weapons? We give them to you so you go away.
0: <laughs> well you know what uh, the idea of the assassin I like I was also thinking of this this creature if it somehow gets to the prime material plane I'm, I'm thinking you know, it was summoned or like a elemental vortex wherever it comes through um, I think of one way that somewhat use it in a low to mid level environment maybe this thing comes to your game world finds a a tribe of goblins it exerts its pressure. The goblins worship this thing as a god, so it 's propped up as like they're worshiping this thing, so they're out protecting it and so i I could see it used that way and that you find out what uh, this goblin tribe is worshiping the the They're the tribe of the Black Mist or something like that. That's what they go by. And so maybe their god is a Mitsu. They think it's something to worship because it's so darn powerful, and they're not exactly bright. Right. I can think of it using uh, it that way.
2: Yeah, and it's highly intelligent as well. So all of a sudden, these goblins obeying their god would actually be pretty effective at doing Mm -hmm. lots of things.
0: Yeah, and exerting its power over the tribe because, you know, if you don't follow me, I'm going
2: to literally suck the life out of you. Right. (laughs) Suck the life out of one goblin. They'll be like, "Oops, sorry, sorry.
0: (laughs) We worship you. Um, That would be one way. I mean, another way, I guess, would be
2: like as a guardian. Yeah. Some sort of guard for a high-level mage. Yeah. I could also see if the parties start messing with things they shouldn't be and they accidentally open a portal. Mm-hmm. And that comes through the porthole.
0: Yeah, that would be a great, great use of it too. Yeah, absolutely. It would
2: be like, oh no, what did we just do?
0: Mm-hmm. I can also think of it since they can make themselves somewhat ghost-like. Mm-hmm. I wonder, maybe kind of going on the premise of this thing, like being worshipped by like goblins, like I, or, or kobolds or whatever. Maybe this thing will pose as something else,
2: oh, you know? Take the ghostly form of a fallen, like, goblin chieftain of yore or something.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, there you go. Or maybe if it, since it can manipulate objects, maybe it could like, get its mist form into, say, I don't know, a suit of plate armor. <laughs> Yeah, And it goes into the plate armor and the visor's opening you just see these two glowing red eyes.
2: Yes, it's so your haunted... you're thinking
0: something entirely else, but it's a it's this thing in the armor this Mitsu.
2: Yeah, it's like your haunted plate mail. This is what's actually haunting it. Yes, exactly. And it will totally baffle the party
0: and it's like, "Well, I'm going to hit it. I'm going to try to turn it." Nothing. <laughs> right. So they're thinking undead. Yeah. So that's another good way of, I think, using that too. Opposing as something else. Yes. and Pretty cool.
2: Yeah. And then when you're in the Monster Radial 2, though, there's another creature from the same. It's from the Elemental Plane of Air, which yeah. makes mm-hmm. me wonder if that Para Elemental Plane is a typo in the midst of it. I,
0: That's what I was thinking too. I think they meant Elemental Plane of
2: Air. Yeah, it's, it was, it's, well, I could see it being smoke since it actually can take the physical form, uh, or one of the para elementals because it's kind of both, but para elemental plane
0: of smoke, you have ice, ooze, and magma.
2: Yeah. Magma. And, it, and it's immune to cold, magma. though, so maybe that, maybe ice? Maybe steam? Maybe. But yeah, well, that's a quasi-elemental
0: plane steam. Yeah, so you probably wanted someplace. uh, Well, I'm looking at the manual of the planes right here. So (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I guess it could be from the para-elemental plane of smoke, or they accidentally threw the para in in there. Right. Yeah.
2: Either way, as written, it doesn't quite fit because there is no para-elemental plane of air. Right. Right. Yeah but there there seem there is like something that looks like maybe like a cousin of it when you look at it because, uh the Illidris, because it's it's Illidris. a wind terror from the elemental plane of air when you look at it it's the swirling mist it also kind of has tentacles as well so. is that in the monster manual two on page seventy three It's under page the seven... elemental groo. Oh, okay, okay. Now I know what you're talking... Oh, there you go. Yes, because this, too, has the red glowing eyes and has the vaporous tentacles. So it's like if you just shifted this then took it from a para-elemental plane and put it into a full elemental plane, you, you would get this. Because uh, with this, it just whisked about and... It's basically like a mist entity. Uh, mm-hmm. It just twirls. It has like fog. It's like a fog carrying small particles, and those f- particles get flung out from it, and that's how it damages you. It was such Wow,
0: a... they are almost identical. You are right.
2: Yeah. So, it, and then, but when you look at this, this is no air-based spells work on this at right. all. And... Any permanent effects that are in place if it 's within fifty feet of it doesn't work either
0: that's crazy, so it's also like, this thing the ildris or Illidris, plus two or better magical weapons to hit
2: yeah, so there's a theme here that 's why i'm thinking hmm. the other the mitsu should be on the plane of air right
0: maybe uh maybe the a, a mitsu would use these as like um it's foot soldiers.
2: Right, because these are only like four hit dice And of very intelligent. Right. So these would be like the subservient foot soldier who are actually pretty effective at being in combat. They're not going to engulf you and suck you. They're just going to deal damage, and they're just immune to a lot. From mm-hmm. call lightning, control wind, weather, wall of fog, fog cloud, cloud kill, cone of, cone of cold, invisible stalker. I can even see like a magic, like a powerful wizard just capturing one of these and keeping it around just mm-hmm. to neutralize all those spells that could be used against them. Oh my them. gosh. No kidding. Just That's a them. good idea. Yeah, just he capture one of these and just use it as a dispel. Bell Air Magic. <laughs> All right, that would be cool. Yeah. So again, it's it's a very similar creature, it's just a few steps below. It's not You going... know, that's nuts.
0: I, you know, I've had the Monster Manual 2 since it, you know, ever since it was first published in what 82 or 83. I never put two and two together between those two creatures. It never occurred to me. So I just opened my my eyes to that. That's very cool.
2: Yeah, it's like you can start developing like a whole ecology of these air elementals, that type of air elemental. And I wonder if we start digging through other books, if there's other similar creatures that that's from the elemental plane of air, that the swirling mist that have the tentacles that are kind of evil, causing chaos, immune to uh, low level magic. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, so it's definitely something that I would say most players probably haven't used in their game, but I think it's definitely worth a look. I think so. Yeah. So if you've used these in your game ever, we definitely want to hear about it. Mm -hmm. Or or if you just have uh, other ideas on how to use these, because when you get into some of these elementals, it's without oh, we're going on to that elemental plane, it can be sometimes a little difficult to come up with new and creative ways to use them because just getting them in the prime material is a bit of a chore. So tell mm-hmm. us. Let and us know. we all know how
0: that, how tough that is. Yes. No. I mean, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. I have
0: uh, every week trying to do something there, and man, it's tough.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all righty. Guess that's going to wrap up the show for this week. Thank you to DM Lloyd for uh, throwing some show notes our way, and uh, if you have any show notes, rfi staff at gmail.com or just general questions, rfi staff at gmail dot com. Five seven zero eight six five forty two ten is the hotline. Just make sure when you call in to speak your name clearly and leave uh, some any contact information if you'd like. You don't have to, but just at least your name so we know, and make sure it's clear. Otherwise, we really can't play it if it's like blah, 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 blah. wah 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 wah. wah. Cut off, cut off, cut off. We've had a couple voicemails. I can't figure out who it's from. And uh, they're just like, blah, 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 And it's just like, oh. Good questions, too, involving some good things, but I can't figure out most of it, so.
0: Worse than a broken microphone at a drive-thru, huh? Oh, yeah. Tell
1: me about it. <laughs> so uh, until next time, keep it original, keep it old school, and good night, everybody. Good night. Bye,
0: everybody.
2: A production of Wild Games Productions in association with d20radio.com. You can visit us at rfipodcast.com or contact us on our forums at osrgaming.org or even by calling us at 570-865-4210. This podcast is produced for entertainment purposes only. All other uses are prohibited. And remember, if your magic missile spell doesn't automatically hit, you're playing the
1: wrong edition. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Roll for Initiative.